0: Oh, well, let's have a prayer, my friends. Lord God, rain and sunshine, light and dark, warmth and cold, all come from your heart. You are the one who is above it all, the one who controls it all, the one who through it all, whether it's hard for us or easy for us, still blesses us. We thank You for blessing us with this dry, warm, safe place, and this warm and safe place where we could be gathered together to open ourselves to Your redeeming and renewing Word, where we can share with each other about this business of following Jesus, where we can strengthen and encourage each other through the strength and encouragement You have given us. Bless and be with us now as we study, as we pray, As we think, as we question, as we answer, be with us to give us what we need. For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay, we're still talking about Jacob. Lots of conversation about Jacob and family and everything that goes on with Jacob's family. Last week, we looked at the fact that Jacob and Esau have managed to find a way to resolve the tension that is between them because of the stolen birthright. And now Jacob has taken his family off and is going to uh, live happily ever after. Except there is no such thing. Oh, I don't know if I should say this. This might come as a shock to you. There is no such thing as happily ever after, right? (laughs) There is just ever after. And so more, more comes, more comes. And the story continues. So let's read. I I think maybe it's going to be best for us just to read this whole section. Let's get this text in our head. And then we'll start to talk about it. This is Genesis thirty-three, eighteen. 18. Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for one hundred pieces of money the plot of land on which he had pitched his tent." There he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Let's stop there. Let's take this bit by bit. See, I changed my mind right in the middle, okay? Hang on, we're gonna get through it. (laughs) Okay, Jacob comes safely to the city of Shechem. Shechem, with the benefit of hindsight that we have, we know that Shechem becomes an extremely important uh, city in the whole history of Israel. Arguably, Shechem is the second most important city in Israel's history uh, after Jerusalem, of course. Shechem becomes the the center of worship of the northern tribes. Uh, There's lots more history to study there. But um, the fact that he comes safely there is important, right? Jacob's, Jacob's life, his family, his future is threatened all the way along. He comes there and he buys a plot of land. That's significant, right? When you decide to settle somewhere for a while, what do you do? You buy a a plot of land, right? Unless you're coming to California and interest rates are sky. (laughs) Right? (laughs) At any rate, so that too is significant that that Jacob buys a plot of land, right? It's significant for two reasons. One is that he's planning to stay a while and, and establish the family there. And the people who are there sell him the land. They don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. Um, we're all familiar with uh, the history uh, of buying and selling land and allowing people to buy your place that you want to live next to you or not allowing people to buy your place and let them live next to you. That actually happened to Helen and me 10 years ago when we were buying a house. Um, the uh, listing agent of the house was lived next door to the house we were interested in and she had to meet with us and and check us out and decide that we were going to be okay neighbors. Um, There were a couple of other people that we kind of learned in the long process uh, of getting to know them that become great friends who she kind of maybe sort of steered away (laughs) from. You know, I can't say that you can blame her. At any rate, so Jacob buys land. It's significant uh, that that, uh, Hamor, uh, Shechem's father, the family of Hamor, uh, will allow Jacob's family uh, to buy land. And then, of course, as always happens, in this place, Jacob erects an altar. It's always important for the people of Israel, and then by extension, the people of God. It's always important to establish, in a sense, your religious base when you move into a new place. And so those things are are hugely significant for the way the rest of the story plays out as well. So let's keep on reading the story. Uh, This is verse 1 of chapter 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the region. When Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the region, saw her, he seized her and lay with her by force. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, Get me this girl to be my wife. Now Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his cattle in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Just as the sons of Jacob came in from the field, when they he went out to speak with him, just as the sons of Jacob came in from the field, when they heard of it, the men were indignant and very angry because he had committed an outrage in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. For such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor's. Uh, Spoke with them, saying, The heart of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall live with us, and the land shall be open to you. Live and trade in it and get property in it. Shechem also said to her father and uh, to her brothers, Let me find favor with you, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Put the marriage present and gift as high as you like, and I will give whatever you ask me. Only give me the girl to be my wife. Let's stop there for a second. There's an awful lot going on here, of course. Uh, Number one, there's the rape of Dinah. There's the rape of Dinah. I told you that that we don't hear a whole lot about Dinah. This is the main thing that we hear about Dinah. Um, It's not just... Rape. And I say that very, very carefully. <laughs> it's very hard to downplay the significance of what rape is. But this, this forceful taking of one, only one woman from only one family in the extended family that Jacob has, turns into a major, major issue. And it is really Jacob and his family that make it a major, major issue, as if it isn't major enough. But let's take apart what is said there, right? So Shechem obviously is attracted to Dinah. He takes her and and he wants to marry her then and makes a good faith effort, if you will. He loved her, right? He he says he loved her. He wanted her to be his wife. Uh, And he tries to make a deal, as you would in that time, uh, with Dinah's father, with Jacob. You know, uh, set the dowry price as high as you want. I'll pay anything that you ask for. That would normally be done in that day, that a dowry, a gift would be given, right? Because women, in some sense, are traded back and forth as property. We don't need to talk about what that dynamic is necessarily, but we do need to recognize that is what is going on with this. So there are bigger issues, though, that this story gets to. So notice that when uh, when when Dinah is is raped, how would we would normally think about that context, uh, about that situation in certain kinds of ways, right? Uh, of course, we would want to talk about the incredible violence and violation of Dinah herself, and we could we could talk for a long time about the dynamics of what is going on in Dinah, uh, and we don't want to we don't want to negate that, but that's not where the story goes. Okay? That's not where the story goes. And we might want to say that's exactly where the story should have gone, but that's not where the story goes. The story goes someplace else. It doesn't go into a long conversation about Dinah herself and all the different psychodynamics and whatnot that go on uh, in, in the business of rape. It goes to a different place, right? The different place it goes to is to the significance for the larger community in which Dinah lives, right? Jacob, this is verse five, Jacob hears that Shechem has defiled his daughter Dinah. That word, defiled, is an interesting word. That word wants to talk about how, in this, this violent act, in this taking of something that is not owned, there is a, it ultimately a religious issue going on. That's the, the term defilement here back into its Hebrew roots. And I don't remember the Hebrew word itself. Even if I told you, we'd all forget it in four minutes. But the, the, the word itself, the Hebrew word, is usually used to talk about religious purity or religious impurity. This is not to say that, that Dinah herself is religiously impure, but this act of rape is, is creating a religious situation uh, that, is, that is bad. And part of it is not just about, and I keep saying just, please understand I, I don't mean to downplay the act itself, but it's not just about what goes on with the rape. It's, it's about what goes on with someone from outside the religious community of the people of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Someone from outside coming inside to this community. It's like two religions in some sense have been combined here. Does that make sense to you? That, that's part of what we're talking about, right? now. So that word defiled, that, this is gonna be an issue we're gonna uh, talk about uh, because that's, that's, in some sense, the major issue uh, of this whole story. So uh, Jacob is smart, he can't do anything about it because all of his sons, the young men, the warriors, are gone, um, and, and so he waits until they come back. But notice, notice the response of Jacob's sons, right? Notice the response. They're indignant, they're angry, because Shechem had committed an outrage in Israel, an outrage in Israel, this whole thing is taken, it, 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 it automatically escalates to be more than just an issue between Shechem and Dinah. Does that make sense to you? Uh, this, this, this act is taken to be something that is, it, it's, it's like, um, it's like, <laughs> in a way, it's kind of like NATO, right? If one NATO country is attacked, all NATO countries are attacked, right? Dinah has been attacked. Therefore, the whole nation of Israel, this whole family of Jacob, feels attacked. Um, and it's not just about honor, so to speak. It's about a whole lot of other things that are going on, and and, and we will get to that, right? So we, we now know that after the rape, again, we don't hear much from Dinah. We hear from how the men handle the situation. This becomes an issue uh, for, for the relationships between uh, the, the people of Hamor, the Hivites, and the Israelites, the people of Jacob. Okay? Now, Hamor, uh, as we've mentioned, wants to reconcile the situation. He wants to move beyond the situation and check them, you know, my son's in love with this girl. Let's cut a deal. Let's make this happen. We'll give you anything you want. Let me find favor, you know. Let's, let's create a, a pact whereby we get to intermarry with each other. You take our daughters, we'll take your daughters, right? We get to intermarry. We've already noted in the story of, of Genesis this issue and this problem of the relationship between the people of God, these chosen people, and all the other people. Um, I think um, it was on one of the studies that Jan Cook did where we talked about the, the question of syncretism. Do you remember that word syncretism? It's the larger issue of how do people of faith in the one God who are called to live a particular way, who are called to be a particular way, how do we interface with, modern term, how do we interface with the rest of the world that doesn't believe as we do, that doesn't act as we do? And that, in some sense, is the larger question here. Hamor, Shechem are saying, hey, no problem, you know, you guys have come. They don't have a religious problem, so to speak, with, with what has gone on. Uh, not specifically about the rape, but about the, the union between Two different peoples that the rape implies, and that even the the request for marriage, of course, implies. All right, now let's keep on reading. Verse thirteen: The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully. Okay, where have we seen already so many times in the story where the people of God uh, maybe hedge their bets? They well. Let's just say it for what it is. Um, they act immorally, right? They act immorally. We're going to hear how. Because they, they, they deal deceitfully. Because he had defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you that you will become as we are and every male among you be circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live among you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone." Okay? If anyone ever tells you that Bible study is boring, you tell them, well, first we've got rape, now we've got circumcision, I mean, come on! (laughs) So what is circumcision is all about? It is about a physical act that signifies that these people belong to God. They belong to God. And so the sons come up with this magnificent plan, and you know how the plan works out. You've read the rest of the story. Maybe you don't, you're gonna be shocked. <laughs> but what the sons of Jacob say, the people of Israel say to the Hittites who are not people of Israel is, If you will take this mark upon you, then it's okay for us. Now the implication of of that, the way you would understand that is that if you will adopt our faith, then it's okay to intermarry, right? Uh, You don't have to answer this publicly right now, uh, but maybe for you yourself, I would almost certainly guess for people that you know, how many situations do we know of in life even today where in order for a couple to be married, one or the other of them has to change their religion. Right? Right? Has to change their religion. You know, I hear about it all the time. You know, a Democrat who wants to marry a Republican, and and and, oh wait, 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 I've gotten confused here. (laughs) Right? That's essentially what, what Jacob's sons are asking. Will you adopt our religion and be circumcised? Okay? now. What's the response of the family of Haymore? Sure, no big deal. No big deal, right? I can't imagine what was going through their minds, but that's another story. No big deal. They seem to accept this, this mark as you know, just this this is part of the this is part of the politics. This is part of the business deal that has to go on. Um, and so and so. They readily agree. Verse 18, their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem, and the young men did not delay to do the thing, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his family. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city saying, "'These people are friendly with us. Let them live in the land and trade in it, for the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will they agree to live among us to become one people. To become one people there, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock, their property, and all their animals be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will live among us. And all who went out of the city gate heeded Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised. All who went out of the gate of his city. Okay, does this read? This reads like a trade pact, doesn't it? Right. Remember, I said it's about way more than just the rape of Dinah. This is about creating a, a, a free trade agreement <laughs> between the people of Jacob and the people of Hamor. Right? We're going to exchange women. Okay, pretty big deal. We're also going to exchange land, livestock. We're just we're going to do business with these people. They're going to become like us. Now, if that seems to Uh, To downplay the significance of the rape itself, it does. Uh, But it also helps us understand that anytime there's violation in human relationships of any kind, there are broader implications usually. And the implication, of course, is for the future of Jacob's family, for the future of the people of Israel. So, verse 25, on the third day, when they were still in pain, two of the sons of Jaday, the the men from, from Hamar's family, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city unawares and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. And the other sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. They took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the city and in the field. All their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and made their prey. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few. And if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should our sister be treated like a whore? Okay, that's the rest of the story. So are you familiar with the principle of equitable retribution? You familiar with that principle, right? I do. I'll tell you what it is. Equitable retribution means you do something to me and I am morally justified in doing something of similar scope and scale and size back to you, okay? You cut off my pinky finger, I get to cut off yours. That's equitable retribution, okay? Inequitable retribution is you cut off my pinky finger, I cut off your hand, right? Um, you see this principle at work all the time in, in individual human relationships, but it also expands to include international relationships. Right? Uh, one country captures a couple of spies from another country. Uh, should the country from whom the spies have been captured uh, start a nuclear war over it and kill millions of people? We would say, no, that's not equitable. Right? Uh, we'll go capture a couple of their spies. That's what we're talking about here. So, that's a, a it is, it's some, this is not a, I, there are moral and ethical overtones to it, but this is just something that's done every day in the real life world, whether there's religion involved or not. Um, you know, what is it? A, 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 an American drone uh, was, was downed yesterday, right? Uh, the American story is the Russians hit it with a plane uh, by accident and it went down. The Russians say, no, that didn't happen. What else is new, right? Uh, the American response yet to be determined is not going to be, uh, if we follow the principle of equitable retribution, it is not going to be something all that dramatic and exciting. It was just an unmanned drone after all. At any rate, what goes on in this story, okay? Two of the sons, Simeon and Levi, take it upon themselves, take it upon themselves, and you have the sense that the other brothers are in on this too, right? They've created this thing. You guys get circumcised. They take it upon themselves while the men are still recovering from their wound to just go in and wipe out all the men, right? Right? And then the other brothers come in and take everything. They take everything, right? All because of, understand the context of this statement, all because of one little rape, right? Is that equitable retribution? Should all the community of the, the people of Hamor, should the whole city suffer because of one thing? You know, in... in, in Modern diplomacy, we would say that's, that's an overreaction. Way, way, way overreaction. Why would the sons of Jacob overreact in this way? There's a few things going on here. One is that they have taken the rape to be about more than just a rape. <laughs> They've taken it to be a religious affront. They are absolutely incensed. They react, therefore, with, with a passionate rage that goes way, way, way overboard in terms of equitable retribution. And they take everything. Jacob, Jacob, interestingly, comes off here as kind of the wise elder statesman of the family, says, what have you guys done? <laughs> what have you done? You, this, this is not acceptable. And, and we're in trouble now, he said. If it gets out that this is what we've done to this city, we can't stay. We can't stay here. Jacob is worried about the the political uh, and the, the economic repercussions of this situation. Um, and then, of course, we'll have to go on and tell the rest of the story next week, but, but uh, the, the, the family does survive. But, but let's look at the issues that, that go on here just in this one story, okay? What do you, I've, I've outlined many of them, but, but what are the big issues and how would you connect what went on in that story, maybe to what goes on with us today? What are, what's at stake here? What goes on in this transaction, these human interrelationships? What stands out for you as being the most important thing, maybe, or the most telling thing?
1: I think greed in that in the end they keep everything, um, which isn't God's plan, I don't think. They're deceitful and they keep everything to themselves when they killed everybody.
0: Yes, greed, greed, right? In a sense, what we have here is that Jacob's sons take advantage of this opportunity created by the injustice of the rape of Dinah, they take advantage of that then to vastly enrich themselves, right? It it is an issue of greed. That's one of the things that goes on here, okay? That's a a big thing. How, How many times, you know, how many times do we in our relationships, you know, maybe we've been hurt by somebody and then an opening occurs for us to hurt them back, Right? And, and, and we step right through that maybe and go overboard. Yeah, yeah. Good one, good one. That's one of the big ones. Yes, let's run, Terry, run.
1: <laughs> um, what comes to mind with me is that one transgression and horrible as it was mm-hmm. can start a war. I mean, it can start mm-hmm. so many people end up dying, people that had really nothing to do with it.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. That is the nature of human history and human relationships, right? One terrible thing, and we, we do not deny how horrible that is, uh, can lead to so many other things because of the nature of, of human relationships, right? Escalation, escalation is, is what we're talking about. You've done something, I choose, it is in human nature you know, uh, okay, back to, to the example, my pinky finger has been cut off. So I cut off yours and maybe just a little bit of the tip of another one so that I have an advantage, right? Well, so then what are you going to do? We call it escalation, just a little bit more. And then of course this thing just is blown way out of proportion to begin with, yeah, yeah. But it begins with that one thing. Yeah, very important point, yes.
2: This is maybe a little bit different in terms of an issue, but what struck me when I was reading it was the fact that they used the word "deceitful," and when you think about deceitful, you immediately think back down, back to Jacob himself. So here you have his sons, uh-huh. his progeny, carrying on a what genetic flaw, if you will, or sure. you know, a family yes, tradition, yeah, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh, They have that same mindset as Jacob. And it, to me, spoke of the family itself
1: being deceitful.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Very good point. They are all chips off the old block, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, There's another interesting fact of this is that why would you, if you're writing the history of your people, why would you include all these stories about how terrible your ancestors were, right? I mean, the way we would want to write history normally is to talk about, you know, Mother Teresa was my cousin, um, uh, but, but, you know, uh, Adolf Hitler, we won't admit, is, is part of the history. You know, you hide the horse thieves, so to speak. Scripture lays bare the reality of who the people of God are always, always. That principle carries through even to the people that Jesus handpicked to follow him. One was a traitor, one was a filthy tax collector. Eventually, they all they all betrayed Jesus. They all fell away, right? Um, but that's the only people that God has to work with to do what he wants to do in the world is deceitful people like you and me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go.
1: Well, what struck me was the comment where they say, the sons say, um, they treated her like a whore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know in that time period, but um, that could be a, a terrible affront to uh, their, you know, their sister, to their whole family.
0: Yes, And yes.
1: to their whole um, community. Yes. And so maybe this was proper, in their mind, proper reaction to the behavior of this these outsiders to their their community and just you know what what was done to her was really just the example of of how rude or how awful these outsiders were to their families
0: yeah yeah very true very true i yeah that 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 is also very much what is going on here um there is a huge connection in most religion and certainly in in the Judeo-Christian faith, there's a lot of connection between human sexuality and the dysfunction that exists there, and and, and religion and and our relationship with God. Uh, I mean, the Bible uses plenty of imagery. Uh, Jesus himself used that imagery to talk about our relationship with God in the same way that we would talk about a relationship between a man and a woman in a in a covenant-committed relationship. We talk about, in a sense, God is our lover. We are God's lover. We are meant to be that close, that intimate. And so anything that destroys that between us and God is a horrible thing. And likewise, then, on the level of human relationships, anything that, that is less than purity and covenant relationship uh, in every aspect of sexuality, anything that's less than that is a terrible thing. Those, those images are, are pulled together. Um, you know, think about in, in the book of Revelation, right? Uh, where Babylon, we've just been talking about the Babylonian exile in church, you know, Babylon, the, the, the country that finally destroyed Israel, right? Uh, Babylon is called what? The great whore, right? this whole prostitution. And so uh, now, obviously, we understand Dinah had no choice in that, but that's the nature of that culture. That's a whole other conversation. But that that principle of purity of relationship and how that uh, is meant to exist among human beings... Okay, as a reflection of our relationship with God, uh, the Scriptures do not, and and, uh, the three little letters of John maybe stated the most forcefully and eloquently. You know, if you say you love God but do not love your brother, then you don't love God. And if you say you love your love your uh, you love your brother but you don't love God, then then loving your brother is loving God. We 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 equate those two things in the history of our faith. Um, and so a story like this, yes, says that there's been a terrible breach of what covenant relationship is supposed to be about. And they do take it very, very, very seriously. And that, that's also part of what the overtones of what rape are about. And of course, then we have to take the conversation, not just uh, in, in terms of human sexuality, but all the violence inflicted upon other people of all kinds. Uh, and we know, of course, that, that rape is often not about sex, per se, it's about violence. So there's a, there's a lot of books to be written out of this. Thank you for highlighting that. Yes.
1: No one has said anything about the circumc- mm-hmm. circumcision. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading it, having lived in the Middle East and having seen so many of them, because it's a ritual that the children go through, mm-hmm and have talked to a number of men who went through it later in life, mm-hmm. saying it was the most painful thing they had ever gone through. Mm-hmm. It struck me that this was a big sacrifice for, mm-hmm. for um, all of these people to go through with no objections. And they said that the um, progeny, anyone born from then on was going to have that done. Right. Right. I mean, that was asking a lot, I thought, and even though lying with, with uh, Dinah was was horrible, um, I think the sacrifice of the circumcision might have kind of <laughs> leveled the playing field a little sure. bit.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is... Um it is part of the human impulse when we're talking about matters of life and death and eternity and God to represent and to embody all those things, um, taking the most important parts of life, the most sensitive, the most powerful parts of life, right? Let's talk about child sacrifice, okay, is one of those things. You know, if you want to prove your love to God, kill your firstborn son. I mean, how horrible is that, you know? For the male, the business of circumcision, yes, uh, it, that strikes to the very heart of the matter. <laughs> um, are there any other men in the room? No, I, I, I have no allies today. <laughs> but you know what I'm... Yes, that strikes to the very heart. It is extremely painful, right? When... Um, first time we went to Turkey, uh, we came upon this huge celebration, and part of the ritual in in some aspects of of Islam uh, is when a boy turns, I think it's eight years old, he's then circumcised, and there's a huge celebration. And the kid is, um, we were a group of tourists uh, that came upon it and were standing there watching. And, and they were parading this, this helpless little boy around. He was all dressed in beautiful clothing and sitting on, on kind of this little throne thing that they were carrying around. And everybody was making a big party of it. Uh, and, and we started asking, I said, does he know what's coming? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's cared for. And, and part of the tradition was that everybody that, that encounters him is supposed to give him money. Uh, and so, you know, we willingly gave the poor kids some money, right? If this will ease your pain a little bit, yeah, we'll do that. But, but that's part of the. That's how important it is, which leads to another point about this story, right? Is that for the the family of Jacob, for the Israelites, circumcision is a sacred thing. It's meant to signify the indelible mark in the most sensitive place on the male body of a relationship with God, okay? But what do the sons of Jacob, what do they do with that physical act that is meant to signify the beauty of this covenant relationship with God, right? They, in a sense, impose it on the, on the, the sons of Hamor And they tarnish it. They use it for their own purposes. It would be like if I wanted to massacre a bunch of people, I would say, come in and share the Lord's Supper with me. And then keep pouring the wine for a while. (laughs) And when they're drunk, killing them. You know, desecrating the Lord's table maybe is the best way we could think of. or or drowning the baby in the water that you're supposed to baptize them in. That's the the level at which this is, right? Uh, And like I say, this is about more than just the rape, but we see where it all leads, don't we? And, And so here we see human nature revealed at its very worst in these people who are the people that God has chosen taking their religion and using it against someone. Where do we see that happen? Using your religion against someone. That happens all the time in the world, right? It happens in Christian history. It happens in Jewish history. It happens in Muslim history. It happens in, in all history. Yes?
1: i was just going to say that uh, there are... Um, uh, Unsavory uh, pastors, if you might call them that, fake mm-hmm. pastors who who use religion for their for their own profit.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, just, just focusing on Christianity for a while, right? Uh, church leaders, pastors generally, who will who will use their position and twist the theology not just enough to get whatever they want, money power, fame, sex, you name it, all that good stuff of life, you can use religion to get that for yourself. It's the most horrible abuse of Christian faith there is, right? It's not limited to Catholic priests. It's not limited to Protestants. It's not limited to anywhere. That's the nature nature of humanity. Yes?
2: I guess I find it a little ironic that Rebecca and Leah... We're not from the lineage of Abraham. And now within one generation now, they're so concerned with marrying into another, or having someone else marry into their faith. Mm-hmm. Seems like a big jump in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a big jump in a sense. I, I think you'd have to talk about the circumstances, the way a person comes into faith, and the reasons a person comes into faith, right? Um, with with uh, Leah and with Rebecca, uh, there is a, there's an upright and honorable way in which Jacob uh, seeks to have them as his wives. Right? Jacob doesn't go rape Rebecca and then say she's mine. Right? That doesn't happen. That's what's going on here. Um, so that that question, Israel has had to deal with that question through all of its history. It still does. Right. The Jewish people are still very concerned about the business of intermarriage. And and historically, Christians have been concerned about the business of intermarriage. Are you polluting the faith? Are you diluting the faith when you bring somebody in from out of the faith? Right? And of course, we all know people, you know, I I know a lot of people who have converted to either a different faith or a different version of Christianity um, merely... For the convenience of getting what they want, it make it really deep down inside, it's not an issue of of belief or true conversion, right? And so that's part of what we're talking about. And it's a problem we face, you know every day. how much will you include? How much will you not? Yes.
2: Uh, several years ago, um, Kathleen Nasi's nephew went with me to India. Mm-hmm. And while we worked in the hospital, there was a woman there that was burned terribly. She was going to die. And it was because she had refused to have sex with her husband.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And this boy that was with me, big, burly fellow, came into the room and we were trying to bathe her. But of course, there's not much of a skin to bathe. Mm -hmm. But he picked (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you see the terrible things that we do to each other in every aspect of our being, right, and then try to heal from that and recover that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. What else do you see here? What else rises up from inside you? Yes. Let's get the mic real quick. What you're gonna say is gonna be profound, so we want to get it recorded. <laughs> Uh-oh, now,
2: I don't, now I can't say anything.
0: <laughs> um,
2: you know, it, it, it seems to me that, I, I think this is all we've been said, but it, a, lo, a lot of this is just the accumulation of wealth and power, mm-hmm. the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a rape uh, that somehow this guy, Loves this woman, but he, you know, took her forcibly, and and then he's got her in his house because they recovered her from, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob's people recovered her from H- H- Haman's H- H- yeah. people at the end. But um, when so so Haman goes to Jacob and wants to, you know, wants to create this deal where they intermarry and, and they become bigger. They're they're creating something bigger. Um, mm-hmm you know, out of the, the two peoples. And then, um, let's see. And then, uh, um, but, and, and he talks to, and, and then they ask for the circumcision and he goes back to his people and he says, you guys need to get circumcised so we can combine with, uh, with, with Jake's, Jacob's people, cause they've got all this stuff mm-hmm. that we can share, share with them mm-hmm. and it's bigger than what we've got. So mm-hmm. it's going to enrich us. And then, um, so, uh, so and they agree, and then um, then um, Jacobs uh, and, and but yeah, I get the feeling that Jacobs' people are are in in the back of their mind. They're they're planning on this total devastation and killing of this mm-hmm. other whole whole nation mm-hmm. um, by asking them to be circumcised, and then you know in their when they're weak. They come in and, and kill everybody and then take everything they have. So it's like, um, it's like, it's like this. They're, they're devising this plan to um, to enrich themselves on the backs of somebody else through the whole story.
0: hmm hmm Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an awful lot of what's going on here. Is using faith, using religious practice for your own gain. There are other stories in the Bible, and I've got one of them referred to here in your notes. Uh, Is it in 1 Samuel? Um, Where uh, occasionally, and uh, this brings up other issues, but occasionally God will say to the Israelite people, go over to that community and just wipe it out, destroy everything. and, and then the people will go destroy some of it, but then they'll keep the good stuff for themselves. And that's not what God said. God said, go destroy it all. The implication being it's completely, totally evil. It's going to threaten my larger plan for all of humanity and the universe, destroy it all. But we say, now I'm going to keep some of it for myself. There's that greed issue, that trying to secure our, our place in the world and our, our future, our security um, with, with material things. Yeah, so all that's happening. Yes.
1: As so I'm reading this, the one thing that con- that struck me was that the boys went and did this. There's and they're asking the Shemlech and his and Hamer and all that. Nothing is said about God. Nothing is said that this is what we believe. And so the boys go and they they kill the the people there, and Jacob. He says, what have you done? And you're talking about being the, the senior man. He doesn't say, what have you done with God's people? Or He doesn't mention God, but yet he still has, Jacob is still connected with God, but his sons aren't.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a problem in passing the faith from one generation to the other, yeah. and in people understanding what their faith actually is about. The sons understand that that this business of circumcision is important as an identifying mark. Um, they maybe understand the religious importance of it, but they subjugate that to their own to their own greed, their own desires for power, yeah. right? Which is a that's a temptation for all of us, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's do one more. Bad, it's bad parenting. Bad parenting <laughs> on the,
1: of Jacob, that his sons were like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Jacob is no, you know, shining example of, of morality and ethics either, is he? Yeah, yeah. And yet God is working through all this. All right. Well, okay, you've got some a lot of good stuff to talk about in your small groups, right? That's great. Look forward to it. Thank you all for coming out on a on a perfectly... Lovely day where God is watering the earth, so let's have a word. Lord God, we ask that in the midst of all of our study and reading and discussion that you would help us to connect in a personal way with people who were doing their best, sometimes doing terribly, but doing what people do. Thank you for allowing us to have these stories and to learn from these stories. Please help us to learn from these stories about your path and then all the other pathways that are out there. Strengthen us, encourage us, continue to be with us. Help us to follow you closely. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. The ark will be parked out in the lot. (laughs)